0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. There's a show that's been running since 1963 on television. Let's Make a Deal. I think everyone knows Let's Make a Deal. It started with Monty Hall, now has Wayne Brady. And uh, the basic premise behind Let's Make a Deal is that people dressed in ridiculous outfits, they get picked and they come down, and a lot of times they're handed money or they're given something and they get a choice about they can either take the money or take what's behind the curtain. So let's say, for example, maybe a couple comes down, they're dressed outlandishly in cowboy uniforms. and uh, <laughs> Come on, you guys are winning now. I can take shots again, all right? So, so that, that, it's fair. So they come down and, and Wayne hands them $500. He says, okay, he said, now you can, you can take the, the, the $500 or you can take what's behind this curtain, curtain number one. Well, then they have a choice to make. What's, what's going to be more valuable to them? The $500 or what they don't know? Because sometimes you raise the curtain and it's like a goat or used tires. It's what they call it, I guess they call it a zonk. Uh, and sometimes it's something else, it's you know, something good like furniture or a nice vacation. So what if this time, here comes that couple, and they're holding the $500, and Wayne says, you can take the $500, or you can take what's behind curtain number one, show up, and the curtain raises, and it's a brand new SUV. You know there's a problem if that couple looks at one another and goes, that's a problem. Because even if you don't like the color, that SUV is worth a whole lot more than $500. And so you would not, I mean, if, if, they, if they took the money, you'd want to check their mental health <laughs> because it, it makes no sense to trade in something of, of lesser value for something that's of greater value. This morning, I want to talk about growing stronger. We started a series last week on growing stronger. And I want to talk this morning about godly priorities. Changing our priorities or developing godly priorities because they're important, choosing what's most valuable. And really when we prioritize something, we're saying that is the most important, that takes precedence, that has the most value to us. We do that all the time. I mean priorities, priorities they're, they're just a part of our life. They, they really choose the direction that we go, what we say yes or no to. Two guys were down on their luck and so they, they needed some money and they, they began to walk in this nice, really nice, wealthy neighborhood and they would knock on doors and ask if they could do any odd jobs just to earn some, some money. And They knocked on one door and the lady came to the door. They said, ma'am, you know, we had some hard times, love to do some work, Can we do some work around the home, earn some extra money. She said, you know, she said, I got a big dinner party coming tonight. She said, it's gonna be an outdoor event and we're gonna have a fire pit. She said, I need some wood chop for the fire pit. If you could chop that and she pointed to the wood pile, said, I'll, I'll give you $50 each. And they gladly accepted and they went out and begin chopping wood and she stepped out there a few minutes and one of them was just jumping and hopping and hooting and flipping and turning around and jumping up. And she said to his friend, she said, that is so amazing, he is really good. Said, do uh, you think he'd be willing to come back and do that tonight as, as entertainment for, for our dinner party? I'd give him $100. And uh, he said, I don't know, let me ask. So he calls out to her and he goes, hey Joe. Lady wants to know if you'd be willing to come back tonight and chop off another toe for a hundred bucks. <laughs> Your priorities help you say yes or no to things. So there's, it, it sets a direction, helps us say yes or no. Our priorities are also, they help us make good choices. And then our priorities, they, they align us, they get us going in the right direction. Also priorities very helpful because they help us with things like well, and you can change them too. You can change priorities, but you have to be real intentional about it. When, uh, when I first moved to Texas, uh, I was going to all the clubs when, when, I, when I met Joy and, and uh, the Lord used her to change my life. I remember the very that was on a Friday, and the very, that very Sunday I called her. I said, we're going to church. Well, I'd never gone to church before, not, not since I'd been to Texas, not when I was in college, but my priorities changed. Because I, I, I had changed, uh, I changed my heart. or well, the Lord had changed my heart. And so I began to say, hey, we're, we're going to go to church. We're going to do some things. And that, that turned things around. How about godly priorities? Making God top priority. Making God top priorities is an important thing. It's saying, God, I esteem you and the Lord Jesus as most important. And when you say, I esteem God and the Lord Jesus as most important, then it, it helps us make our decisions and it helps us say yes to some things and no to some things. You see, when I married Joy, I said yes to her and no to every other woman. Now, Some of you are looking at me going, you know, Alan, at your age, saying no to every other woman is not a problem. I wasn't always this age. <laughs> and we've been married for, for almost 40 years. But when I said yes to her, it was no to everybody else. When I said yes to Jesus, then it became no to a lot of other decisions. And really, if you think about it, that's how how Jesus operated. In fact, he used God's word to help him establish the priorities in his life. Jesus, right before he started his ministry, the Bible said he was led out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil. And the enemy would come to him, and and actually he began to to ask him things here. The devil taking him, Jesus, up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, him only you shall serve the enemy was trying to pull jesus in a wrong direction see priorities help us they, they set direction in our lives and the enemy was trying to pull jesus in a wrong direction trying to get jesus to take a shortcut for all the kingdoms of the world now you're thinking well that wasn't that wasn't the devil was lying that wasn't a temptation listen if he was lying it wouldn't have been a temptation But what he was asking Jesus to do was take a shortcut to to get all the kingdoms of the world. There is coming a day where the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ and he will reign forever. That That day is coming. But Jesus could not take the shortcut and he couldn't take it by accepting the enemy's thing. He had to look at him and go, no, we're not doing that. In fact, I love what he said, get behind me. In other words, you better get out of my face. He said, because... Because it's written. And he quit to the scriptures to help him establish his priorities. Because it is written, you worship God, you serve him. He's the only one. And that helped him establish that. You know, when you begin to say, I'm, I'm going to live for God, I'm, I'm going to esteem God and the Lord Jesus as, as most important, you will get tested in some of those areas. Because your life begins to become so a, a life where you begin to weed out some things and add some things, and some things become different for you. I worked in, uh, in sales for, for the first 15 years after I graduated from college. And in sales, I was, in sales. you, you want to be able to get along with people because you know, unless you're selling water in the desert, you, you need to be uh, like someone who can get along with people and that they like you or, or they will kick you out. And so in sales, you, you wind up in some challenging situations. And this one particular, uh, I, I made a call. I was working with uh, Insperity. And uh, I, I made a call. I hadn't had a sale in a while, so I, we needed to sell something. And I called on a guy, and we immediately hit it off. We began to talk. He was, uh, he was a Jewish guy, and a young guy, Jewish guy, sharp guy, Jewish. I didn't know I was Jewish at the time, but anyway, he was Jewish. And uh, he, uh, you know, he began to talk. And so we were just chatting and talking about some things, and he told me a dirty joke. And I mean it was a dirty joke. It wasn't like questionable. It was just flat out raunchy. So now I've got a decision to make. Am I going to laugh and go, "Ah, good one. What am I going to do about that? Because I run the risk of, if, if I look at him and I don't laugh at that, I run the risk of offending him and losing a sale. But my priorities are saying, I don't live for him. I live for God. And he told the joke and I didn't look at him and go, you know, you're going straight to hell. I did, I did not do that. <laughs> that doesn't work. But he finished telling the joke and I just looked at him and, and I smiled. And he looked at me. And he's pretty quick. He said, uh, he said, you didn't like that, did you? I said, no, I didn't. I said, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I didn't like that at all. He didn't kick me out. He, he looked at me he went, I respect that. I made the sale. I sold the guy. I'm not a hero because there are times I've made the wrong choices. But when your priorities, when we begin to have godly priorities, it helps us make the choices that we need to make in life. not saying they're always easy, but they're important. Jehoshaphat made great choices. Jehoshaphat was the king we looked at last week. He's the king of Judah. And the Bible says a lot of great things. When the Bible spends chapters talking about you, we need to pay attention. Because there's some things about this guy that were really strong. He, he had a heart for God. He wouldn't seek culture. He, he sought God. He was the only one. That, he was surrounded by people who had foreign gods, and he sought God. And so he had a heart for God. He delighted in God's ways. And the Bible says really good things about him. So let's just pick up a little bit more about his priorities here. Let's read here. His heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. Those were idols. Also, in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, ben Hail, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and Micah, whatever, to teach in the cities of Judah. <laughs> so they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land so, that were around Judah, so they, they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. And also some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute and the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. Jehoshaphat had his priorities though is he honored God first. He He removed the idols. You know the people had been worshiping idols. That was kind of like the the, the, the move of the moment and there was idols and it, you didn't have to go to Jerusalem. You could just worship idols or worship at a high places. He took them all down. He removed them. Then he sent out his leaders. Now he's established a kingdom. There's a lot of things he needs to do. He's surrounded by enemies. He needs to do something. But the first thing he actually does is send out his leaders to teach the Bible. And they went out and they began to teach the scriptures to all the people around there. They say, well, why in the world would he do that? Because he also knew it was the scriptures that would build up and strengthen the people spiritually. And he did that before he began to build forts and storage areas. So what Jehoshaphat was saying is, I'm going to put spiritual health of my nation before I even put the natural health of my nation. Boy, that was important. You say, well, what happened? God blessed him. God honored him. Listen, we need to get rid of this idea, and it's a lie, that if you put God as top priority, if you serve God, if you worship Him, then that's a ticket to misery. It is not a ticket to misery, it is a ticket to blessings. We just have to get our priorities in the right order. And He did that. But you know what about Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat was human, and He missed it. I love it. Don't you love that about the Bible? The Bible, if, the, if you miss it, the Bible will tell you missed it. They do not sugarcoat things, they don't hide things. And Jehoshaphat missed it. And uh, we're going to see where he missed it. He missed it and how he aligned himself with other people. Let's look at this. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance. God did that for him. And by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. And after some years he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him and persuaded him, persuaded Jehoshaphat to go with him to Ramoth-Gilead. So Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him and said, this is Jehoshaphat talking, I am as you are and my people as as your people, we will be with you in the war. He aligned himself by marriage. Actually, I, I, I was wondering if Jehoshaphat had been married. Actually, Jehoshaphat had a son who married Ahab's daughter. Now Ahab was a really bad king. He was the king of Israel. He was a bad he was a bad king. My brother was wicked. He was against God. And if you think he was bad, you should have seen his wife. His wife was Jezebel. One of the don't ever name your daughter Jezebel. That's a horrible name. She was you're talking about a mean woman. <laughs> she, she was a mean woman. And they had a daughter, and their daughter married Jehoshaphat's son. By the way, just as a side note, you do know parents but when your kids start to marry, you don't just get the, the, the in-laws. You get the in-laws. Amen. Just a thought. Anyway, it's, <laughs> he married bad. And he goes down and they're dealing, now they're dealing with, they're dealing with the, the problems. And he goes and aligns himself with Ahab. And Ahab puts on a big party for him. Man just has a feast and persuades Jehoshaphat to go with him. Here's the challenge. One, he aligned himself with someone who was against God. And two, he wasn't leading in the relationship. It was Ahab that was leading. And what wound up happening was Jehoshaphat, if you read the rest of the chapter, he winds up in a war he had no business being in. He didn't have a problem. Uh, Ramoth Gilead was Syria. And in Israel and Syria... Had big problems. They, man, the king of Syria hated the king of Israel. And, and Jehoshaphat wasn't a part of that. Jehoshaphat had peace. God had given him peace. But now he's in a battle he should have never been in. And uh, in, in fact, the king of Syria put an elite squad. He said, I want you to go after the king of Israel. Don't fight with anybody but him. They thought it was Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat had to cry out to the Lord because he was surrounded. Aren't you glad God's merciful? And even though he had made a mistake, God was merciful to him and bailed him out but he aligned himself wrong. say, was that the end of Jehoshaphat? No. Jehoshaphat, his heart was in the right place. And you see that next because Jehoshaphat had a real heart to help his people. Look what he did next. Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. And he sent judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed what you are doing, for you do not judge for a man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no taking partiality or taking of bribes. So any other scriptures do you have? Yeah. He commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a loyal heart. Jehoshaphat had a heart to really help his people. Could you imagine you're the king and the king goes out and he begins to talk to the people from, in all the, the areas of his kingdom and the Bible said to bring them back to the Lord. Well, that's a good king. He had a heart. He wanted to see them connected to God and not only connected to God, he wanted to make sure they had help. So he began to establish judges and the judges he established, he said, you guys need to, man, you, you got to do this in the fear of God because judges that will do things in the fear of God are safe for the people. And he warned them and said, hey, if you will do this faithfully and do it as unto the Lord, they were going to be safe. He wanted to see people blessed. Jehoshaphat was a man who had great priorities. He honored God first, and he wanted to see people helped. How about us? How do we establish godly priorities and develop them? Listen, godly priorities are not we walk out of here and go, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to change it. It's it's a development. But we can start with, with honoring God and honoring his word. That's where it starts. So, yeah, The thing about it is, is, so much of the time, guys, we try to fit God into our life. Don't fit him in, make him first. A college professor one day in a lab class, class came in, they got seated, and he took a big, he took a big beacon, one of those open mouth beacons, and he put it on the table, and he took some fist-sized rocks from underneath the table in a container, and he filled the beacon with fist sized rocks. And he asked his class, he said, is this, is this, uh, is this beaker full? And uh, they, uh, they all said, yeah, it's full. Then he reaches underneath and he takes uh, a sack full of pebbles and he begins to pour the, the, the pebbles into the beaker. And the pebbles fell down in between the big rocks until it was all filled up. He said, is the, is the glass full? And they all said, yeah, it's full. And he reaches down once more and he pulls out a bag of sand. And he takes the sand and the sand sips down between the big rocks and the pebbles. And he said, is, the, is it full? And they said, we're not answering that. You tell us. And one more time, he reaches down and pulls out a container of water. And he takes the water and pours it in. And it, it settles in until the, the glass container was full. He said, what's the moral of this? some wise guy in the back said, no matter how busy you are, you can always cram something else in. He said, said, no, that's not it. He said, put the big rocks in first. You put the big things in first. We honor God and we honor his word. And we begin to put that first in our lives. Again, this is not a ticket to, to misery. This is a ticket to blessings. And if you begin to do this, what happens is then it helps you determine and, and because you're making the right priorities, it helps you determine what you're going to say yes to, what you're, what you're going to say no to. You begin to honor God. You begin to honor His word. Here's one of the safest things you can ask yourself. What does God's word say? See, honoring God, we begin to find out what His word said, then you face a situation. Someone's been unkind and you think, am I, going to, am I just going to hammer them? They said something unkind to me. Am I just going to hammer them? Then I think, no, no, no. The Bible said I'm not to to return evil for evil or reviling for reviling thank you lord decision made my priority is to please you am i going to forgive in this situation what the scripture say? i'm supposed to be kind tender-hearted forgiving decision made and so god's word begins to help us make the decisions for our lives and boy that is so key if so you honor god and honor his word. Say, well, why, why do I have to honor his word? You can't have a relationship with God and ignore his word. Because his words are him communicating with us and speaking to us. So you can't just go, well, you know, I, I love God, but I, I, don't, I don't ever read my Bible or listen to my Bible or pay any attention. No, no, no. You, you want to do what Jesus did. Remember, Jesus, when he faced difficult decisions, says, it is written. That's the safest place. That's the place we need to be. So we're going to have godly priorities, honor God, in his word. Here's the next one. If we're going to have godly priorities, we need to make sure that our alliances are helpful, not harmful. Who you align yourself with. Who you are connected with. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and this is what, this is what he wrote them. Pretty, pretty straight up. He said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial? Or oh, what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Listen, guys, this is, he's not saying that you isolate yourself from everyone who's an unbeliever. People have read that and they go, you know what? I'm not going to have any contact with any unbelievers and unbelievers and I don't want them around my life. No, it just says who you align yourself with, who you're connected to. We have to pay attention to the connections. We were sitting in church when, I'll never, never forget this. We were sitting in church Lakewood years ago. I was working with the youth. We were sitting there and I was, happened to be sitting beside one of the youth leaders and Pastor Osteen went right over this verse right here. And he talked about not marrying unbelievers. If you're a believer, don't marry an unbeliever. And uh, because you're aligning yourself wrong, you're the temple of the living God. We have to live different. We, are, we can be in the world with, and be separate from the world, but we still have to remember what God's done in us. He says, so don't, don't do that. Don't marry an unbeliever. I looked at the girl next to me and I said, You wouldn't do that, would you? And I'm, I'm just joking with her. And she blanched. And a little bit later she, she nudged me back. She said, Why did you ask me that? I said, I I don't know, just thought to ask you that. She said, Oh. She came and found me a few weeks later. She was engaged to a guy who was not a believer. In fact, he was against God. And she told me, she said, when you said that, she said, I knew that was the Lord talking to me. She said, I, I, I broke it off. I said, you're a smart girl. We have to watch who we're aligned to. Now, some of you think right now, oh, I'm aligned to the devil himself. I'm married to the devil himself. <laughs> Listen. This is all about forming new alliances. If you were married to the devil himself, you could still live and honor God. You can still walk before God. You can still do that. In fact, your life can influence the one around you. So don't just feel like, well, I need to get rid of them. You know, and I, Alan, I'm working with a bunch of heathen. In my office, there's nothing but a bunch of women chasing, partying, dope smoking heathen. I need to leave and find a Christian company. No, you need to stay right where you are because you're probably the only light that's shining in that place and you just need to shine. I worked for a place that uh, when, I, when I got out of Bible school, I went to work for a company that sold check printing services. well, that's a declining industry now. But at the time, they were, this was in the mid 80s, they were going great. And the fact that they hired me was a miracle. They sent me to Dallas to train me and I rode with the guy for for three days. And uh, he was my age and we began to talk and he said, you know, Alan said, really, he said the key difference is we can provide some better services. He said, but if you're gonna sell here, you've got to entertain people. I said, entertain, he said, yeah. He said, you need to take them out to lunch, you need to take them out for drinks, you need to take them out for some of the clubs, some of the guys like to go to some of the strip clubs, You'll, you'll need to do some of that. Well, I I already I just came I just came out of Bible school. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, I can't do that. Not just because I came out of Bible school, because I had a different set of priorities. I'm gonna honor God with my life. I I don't do that. And I remember I called Joy. You remember I called you? I was so discouraged. I told Joy, I said, I can't do this job. They're saying if I'm gonna do this job, the only way I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna have to entertain people, take people out for drinks. Joy just, she ruled out strip clubs. She said, no strip clubs for you, Alan. (laughs) So I think, what am I gonna gonna do? And I remember I was so discouraged. I said, I can't do this. Joy said, well, you got the job. Just give it your best shot. So I did for three years. And I I had the lowest entertainment budget of any salesman in the country. And I was still one of their top salesmen. Not because I was so good, because... God just worked miracle after miracle after miracle. He is the way maker. He is a miracle worker. And if you'll honor him, he'll honor you. My boss used to tell me, don't you ever take anyone out? I'm like, no, I don't. And the Lord helped me. Listen, watch who you align yourself with. You need people that pull you toward God, not away from God. And the key question is, who's leading in the relationship? Here's the last one, and that's this. We need to make sure that we have priorities that are bigger than us. Bigger than us. Bigger than just, hey, me and my family and us surviving. That's fine, but you want to think higher than that. Jesus, they asked Jesus, what was the greatest commandment? Look what Jesus told them. He said, Jesus, what's the great? Teacher, what's the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leave it up there just for a second. Can I tell you this hasn't passed away? You know, we believe Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We believe that. We have to believe this. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus taught prayer, the disciples said, teach us to pray, Lord. He said, okay, I'm going to teach you to pray. He started off with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What are we starting with? We're starting with praise for God. We praise God. God, we acknowledge you. You are a God. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Hallowed be your name. Then the next thing is not, Lord, I need everything you can give me. The next thing is, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. We have a a priority of a love for God and a love for God's kingdom. And the second is we love people. We love our neighbor as ourselves. So, who's my neighbor who's ever near you? The people in your life who are near you, we want to see them like Jehoshaphat connected to God, and we want to see them treated right. I read about a man named Don Ritchie. Don died about nine years ago, but he lived in Sydney, Australia, and he lived, uh, he lived in an area they called the Gap, right outside of Sydney. And it's an area where the cliffs drop off real steeply to the ocean, big destination spot, but it became infamous as a suicide jump place. And they estimated that 50 people a year would jump from that place and kill themselves. Don Ritchie lived right close to the gap and he could see people standing on the, on the, the edge. And Don would walk out to them and uh, he would, he'd, he'd see them stand there. He said, hey, he'd smile. He said, how about a cup of tea? And oftentimes they would would walk back with him into his home. Share a cup of tea. I guess that's kind of British, right? Share a cup of tea. And Don would uh, just listen. Wouldn't criticize, wouldn't counsel, wouldn't condemn, wouldn't pry. Just listened. He said he found out a lot of times people had mental illnesses or there were were sicknesses they were dealing with. Sometimes they had just gone through a rough patch. But just by having a cup of tea and being a listening ear, government officials think that Don Ritchie saved 160 people from committing suicide. His family said, that's not the right number. The number's actually close to 400 people that he kept, just because he treated people well. You know, we talk about this church making a difference in the community, and we have Ellen read such a great story about us reaching out to those homeless seniors. I love the fact that we get to do that as a church. But you know how we really make a difference as a church? We can make a difference from here. We can do things together. We're gonna to do a serve, sa- serve Saturday coming up in November that's gonna be big. But you can make a difference right where you are by just simply loving your neighbor as yourself, by just simply being kind to the people around you. That can make a difference. That's a, that's a godly priority. I read a book, I read reading a book, and it's talking about how the early church was so successful at changing culture. And it said they changed culture not because they boycotted or picketed. They changed culture because and living in Rome. We're talking about the Roman culture. Not because they, they just railed against the Roman government. You know how they changed the culture? They changed by living in such a way that the Romans were baffled. They took in their abandoned babies. They took care of the sick and the wounded. They treated slaves with dignity. They were willing to die for what they believed in. And the Romans were so astounded by how they lived that their hearts softened and they wanted to know more about the God that these Christians represented. That's how we make a difference. Simply by being kind to your neighbor, regardless of what their affiliation is or how you think about them. We wanna be kind to them and treat them like we would treat ourselves. That's what makes a difference. But that's not a ticket to misery. That's God's priority. And when we prioritize our life after him, good things happen. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Since your bowed, and eyes are closed. The priorities start, and the best place to start is with the relationship with the Lord Jesus. Where you're saying, Jesus, I... I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I I believe you paid the price for my sins. And my life can be completely different with a relationship with you. Sins are bowed and eyes are closed. We're we're going to say that prayer. Maybe you're here and, and you've never made that decision or you're not sure or you made it and you got away from God. Well, the great news is you can come back. So that prayer is for you. If you're watching online, you can pray this prayer with us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But if that's you I'm talking to, I am going to ask you to do one thing. If you say, Alan, I'm, I'm that person. I need to come back or I need to receive the Lord for the very first time. Would you pray for me? Real quick, would you slip your hand up across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thanks. Great. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. Maybe you didn't lift your hand you wanted to or maybe you're watching online. I can't obviously see hands, but we're going to say this prayer. We're going to say this to church family. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it silently to yourself. If you're here, pray this prayer with us at at the church family, say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Father, for those who've come back to you, for those who've come to you for the very first time, what a wonderful thing that changes their life here and their life for eternity. And Lord, we're grateful that we can realign our priorities. We can make changes. We can make adjustments. We can honor you and put you first. What a blessing that is. Thank you for making us. Thank you for creating the world we live in. You're an awesome God. What an honor it is to be your children. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.